Today on our show, we're going to talk about election transparency and mules. The Ministry of Truth, Bobert, the wonderful Congresswoman, uh, versus Jankowitz, uh, and meltdown around Musk, and finally, food shortage, a climate alarmist opportunity. Of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So I did a really great thing over the weekend, a fun, fun thing on Saturday. There was a seminar here in Dallas called, it's related to election transparency. And it was very fun. I was uh, happy to be invited to be a speaker. And uh, for one thing, I got to meet Lara Logan, who, uh, if you all follow her, you know, she's a was from, is from South Africa and was formerly a journalist and she's been all over the world and she's brave and she's feisty and she's a truth teller. So she was a moderator and I did a panel with her and this other gentleman named Pete Morocco who was on my show last Thursday. Uh, and so I will first tell you, I feel you on Laura Logan. Uh, she is as much fun as you might think she is. Uh, she is a truth teller. She's very direct and she's very fun. And uh, she's kind of uh, doesn't mince her words. She says what she thinks. So she was just great to get to meet, to get to know a little bit and be on this panel. Um, and I was hoping by today we ha would have some segments ready, little clips from that panel. It isn't ready yet. I will share them with you, not just my panel, but the whole day. I will tell you that I left very enthused. I'll tell you, for one reason is, near the beginning of the panel, uh, I mean, of the uh, day, we had an hour, or really actually trying to be a couple hours, uh, of presentations by these mega uh, guru cybersecurity experts. I am talking about people who absolutely uh, understand computers. And they, you know, I've had a few of them on my show before, but they laid out how completely vulnerable our electronic election machine voting system is. Completely vulnerable. They actually did a presentation on stage, big screen, someone fooling around with two apps they had downloaded on their phone. They had a mirror image of the Dominion voting machine, meaning they weren't actually hacking a real election, but they had a mirror image of it, and they could change vote tallies from their phone. That's the simplest way to say it. So it was a great uh, demonstration, if anyone has a remaining doubt, about the complete lack of, uh, of security our electronic election system has. Uh, great discussions all day long uh, about what has to happen. I talked, as you might imagine, on my panel about all the times and their issues we've talked about before in this show, the issues that concern election integrity and uh, kind of the profound importance of those. That if we don't have election integrity, if they can be manipulated, which they can, you know, the consequences for holding on to America, the brave, the great, I mean, you just, you can't hold on to it. You can't defend America. You can't have America if you don't have this election system is really what guarantees our ability to have, you know, the consent of the governed for the, uh, we, the people, 
to be the actual sovereign, which we are in our system. So it was a great, great, great day. Um, I also want to remind all of you, and I'll be playing segments from that, um, and I also want to remind all of you that today is one of the two days in which the movie 2000 Mules is in theaters. And I'll tell you what's happening here in Dallas. They, it's in select theaters around the country, very similar way that other documentaries are put out, where the people who put it out, they choose select theaters, and they make a, a limited showing availability, and they hope to get a lot of people to watch. I've seen the short uh, trailer uh, from 2000 Mules. I've seen the long trailer. If you're not recognizing that name of that film, 2000 Mules, the, a mule refers to a person whose job it is, who engages in the practice of collecting ma mail-in ballots that have been mailed out you know, to everyone, often five or six to one household, picks up mail-in ballots, uh, and in the dark of the night, delivers those mail-in ballots to these Zucker boxes or other places where they deposit them. I mean, it is a massive form of election fraud very, very, entirely different from what was being talked about at my at the transparency um, event on Saturday, election transparency event on Saturday, a whole other method by which elections are completely vulnerable to hacking and theft. Uh, the film is a Dinesh D'Souza film. He did it using uh, the research and working closely with um, the uh, True the Vote organization, Catherine Engelbrecht, who had organized all of this research and, and done an amazing job actually gathering video camera proof and also proof uh, from cell tower, the pinging of cell phones and cell towers, so that she could look in these vulnerable districts where you had uh, the Zucker boxes dropped, you had massive mail-in ballots flung out in the mail for no, you know, no reason at all, people picking up all sorts of mail-in ballots, dropping them off. She picked, she gathered all that data and made it available to uh, Dinesh D'Souza, who put in this film, 2,000 Mules. I'll tell you, something's happening around here. So there's a major theater here in Dallas that announced they're going to be showing the film tonight. And so a lot of people, I know, you might imagine, wanted to see the film. So you had people jumping online, trying to get to uh, get tickets online, and the film in this really large theater in Dallas almost instantly sold out. So then this very large theater opened a second theater, and that almost instantly sold out. So other theaters in the Dallas area also picked up the film. They were going to show it, and it was the same thing was happening. The announcement would go up, and almost instantly their tickets were sold out. Now, I know there is a, a mountain of information, a mountain of, um, you know, just desire and determination on the part of conservatives to see this film, to see to, for themselves. And people were just curious, what really happened? What proof do they have of this massive fraud? One thing that is um, a candidate relayed to me that they believe happened, not a candidate related to this film, uh, relayed to me is that one thing that leftists do, and they, had, they appear, allegedly had done this for other documentary films which conservatives make, is that is the leftists, the hard left, the ones who never want American people to know the truth, they literally follow films like this and buy out the theater instantly. So you think it's a bunch of individuals buying tickets. It's actually massive purchases, group purchases by left-wing organizations for the purpose of having people like you and me get online to go buy a ticket. Like, oh, dang, I missed my chance. It's all sold out. I told a friend of mine I would even consider this. I would consider if you want to see the film and you know of a theater that where it's playing, but it shows it's all sold out. I would go to that theater, buy a ticket for a different movie, go in and see if the theater is actually full. 
because I do think there is a concerted effort. I am sure, as I sit here talking to you, uh, that there is a concerted effort among the hard left to be sure the American people never understand what they pulled off in the 2020 elections. Can't urge you strong enough. Go and see, if you can, 2,000 mules. I think after this Monday and Wednesday, it's going to go on that process where it's available, maybe to be purchased for streaming. You know, they, they do a sequential thing, trying to get it out more, but still obviously trying to make some money off of it because these, these organizations have, you know, they've poured millions into making the film. So Dinesh D'Souza film, 2,000 Mules, tonight or Wednesday. Don't miss it. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so... Um, I, I call this the Ministry of Truth. I realize I'm not the only one saying that. I'm sure, going to guess everyone listening to my show knows that Ministry of Truth was one of the agencies that was that was in this fictional book by George Orwell, 1984, in which, and, and actually as a small side, which was written in 1948, and he. At that time, the author, Orwell, was predicting what would happen to America if you had more and more government-controlled society, more and more of the government controlling what people think, what they know, what they can do. He was, he was uh, you know, prescient beyond words. He really did a great job. And actually, we, you know, we're now uh, we're all the way in 2022, but we're, we're watching, and under the Biden administration, is 1984. So you saw this announcement last week. Um, out of the uh, Secretary Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary, saying they had created a new department, a new role within DHS, which was, has, and what people are calling the Ministry of Truth, Truth, it's actually the Disinformation Governance Board. And I want to spend some time talking about this today because this is among the most consequential things happening, and, and there are mountains and mountains of consequential things happening in America today. But this is one of them. And the reason I want to really focus on it is I want to, that I, you talk about some things can change America permanently and some can change it for a while. Then we go back and, you know, we kind of shift around. But if Americans begin to accept the premise that the government decides what information you're allowed to read, the government puts itself in charge of what is truth. And so obviously they will say, and leftists will say, Anything they don't like is not truth. It is a disinformation campaign by the federal government in appointing this disinformation person because they're basically saying, we're going to make sure she, this woman they appointed, about whom we will speak in a moment, um, that she's not just simply not able to, uh, that she's going to be able to shut down uh, speech. So I want to just make this point. This, this board could be created and it could be dissolved you know, next week. I understand that the mere creation of the board doesn't necessarily mean that we're in big, we are in big trouble, but doesn't necessarily mean in big trouble. But I want to point out, um, first, the woman who's been appointed uh, to run this uh, entire organization, Nina Jankowitz. Nina Jankowitz, I sent to our happy, and by the way, I meant to say, I do this show out of the Real News PR studio. And so Mr. Becker, who's been my producer, uh, you know, got a promotion, so big deal. No, he got a promotion, so he's not going to be around much anymore. I have new producers working the show, one who has done the show before, Derek Kaufman helping today, another gentleman who's, uh, this is the first time he's doing my show, so he probably did not realize, appreciate that much that I got here kind of at very last minute. But anyway, Emilio Diaz, or producer Emilio, there he is back there, he's, yeah, he's uh, giving me thumbs up. Anyway, uh, they're producing the show today. So I sent um, videos 
earlier, so I hope we have them. The very first one, this is this woman, Nina Jankowicz, who is now, she's a designated head by Secretary Mayorkas of this Disinformation Governance Board, and she made a little video on TikTok. I want to play it for you now. Ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note And not support their lies with our wallet, voice or vote Information laundering is really quite ferocious It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet So disinformation's origin seems likely less atrocious <laughs> Okay, that woman, who I think is 33 She's acting like a 7th grader there But you know, I, I would think people who defend her would say Oh, that was so clever She took that really, really fun song from Sound of Music you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and she made it into a little TikTok video. Isn't she cute? Please, I, I mean, even if you think she's clever because she could make up that song and sing it so fast, please understand, her job is to shut you down. Her job, she's actually taking on the role, just like in you, with the Ministry of Truth in 1984, her job is to make sure you actually only get to hear the things that they want you to hear. They can designate anything that they don't like as disinformation. I want to give you a few examples right now. You likely recall when the left pushed the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. I mean, for years, every outlet there was, it was three and a half years before we finally had Robert Mueller come to the Congress and testify that after all that digging, there's absolutely nothing to it. It was disinformation, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, explosion for the entire three and a half years, first three and a half years of the Trump administration. A disinformation explosion orchestrated by the left. Now the left's in charge. I mean, that would have been a, a great candidate for someone to be, I mean, really, uh, lies to the American people, false accusations, the entire corruption of the Department of Justice and the FBI on display that's real disinformation. And finally, beside that, Mueller came and testified, said, actually, there's nothing to it at all. Sorry, folks, we lied. He didn't say that we lied part. I'm just adding that part. And now we fortunately have uh, Durham, the special counsel, digging in and trying to get to the roots of how do we get such a preposterous lie spread out to the American people. So that's real disinformation. And there was polling, I mean, a year or more after Mueller's testimony, in which it was like a, at least a plurality, if not a small majority, of Democrat uh, voters polled said they still think there probably was Trump-Russia collusion. They just couldn't find it. Dang it, after millions of dollars and hundreds of hours of depositions and you know hundreds of lawyers working on this, we just couldn't find They actually believe that. And so Democrats have a point. Disinformation does work. What What fights disinformation, what should fight disinformation in a free society is truth, is real information. But when you put the truth out there, once you've had the left so literally propagandized, I mean hypnotized, duped into believing the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was real, it's very hard to disabuse people of it. So that was a real disinformation. 
along with much other disinformation we've had from the hands of the American left, at the hands of the American left, uh, including such things as don't people, uh, about COVID treatments, uh, about don't worry, the vaccines are safe. But now you have the left in charge, and this is, and they're putting someone in charge, that little goofball, 33-year-old goofball, and there's actually more to her than that, I'll tell you in a moment, um, is going to be in charge of deciding what truth is. And I want to add something more about her. So on this, uh, in this conference over the weekend, which was so fun, it's on election transparency, um, one of the speakers was, was pointing out that she is the result of, the, uh, the outcome of a phenomenon he'd observed walks, uh, because he worked in Washington and watched this phenomenon, which is our federal government funds all sorts of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, agencies, USAID, all sorts of little en entities that, are, that the American public hardly ever sees. We can't see what they're doing, and she's a product of that. She, is, she was working with whichever one it was, uh, and, and she thinks she's an expert on disinformation because she got government-funded work and again, from the left on disinformation. So that is who is going to decide. And by the way, no one should be deciding and the government should be deciding disinformation or not, but that's who's gonna be in charge. And unless you think that her conduct and immaturity might have swayed DHS Secretary Mayorkas to, to rethink it, uh, not so fast. Mayorkas, um, he is a little, this is actually the second clip um, my team in there. I actually have three producers. That's kind of fun. Today, I have three producers and they're working together. Uh, Mayorkas on disinformation board. Here's a clip that he had to say about when he was asked, what do you think about this 33-year-old airhead? Republicans are criticizing your decision, the administration's decision to choose Nina Jankowicz to lead this disinformation board. They say she is not somebody who is neutral. Your response? Eminently qualified, a renowned expert in the field of disinformation. Absolutely so. Okay, eminently qualified. Let me just ask him, to do what? To know truth? I mean, she knows truth more than, if we're back to the COVID example, more than the doctors who actually treat patients and can tell you what works because they have medical training and medical experience and experience with patients but she knows better. And this, obviously, folks, one thing that people are very, very concerned about is this whole issue we started out talking about on the show today, election fraud, you know, disinformation, what you've heard out of, out of Mayorkas' department, which, by the way, he's supposed to be head, or he is head, of the Department of Homeland Security. Department of Homeland Security. So in his capacity as Department of Homeland Security to secure America, his agency has been responsible for the February bulletin in which they announced that you might be a domestic terrorist if you question the 2020 election. You might be a domestic terrorist if you question the vaccines or COVID policy. I mean, this is a, this is a, a person deeply steeped in the idea that government is there to control what you think, to tell you what you can talk about, to tell you what you must think. That's how he sees the world. It's why his agency put out that brief, that bulletin in February, saying you might be a domestic terrorist if you dare challenge the Biden administration on COVID policy, which everyone sane is challenging their, their COVID policy, or if you challenge the government about election integrity. So he's already told you he's not about trying to get truth out, hear both sides. He's about saying, I'm going to threaten our political opponents until you shut up.
And now he has this woman who she essentially has that job. She's a little bit of disinformation. But I also want to share you uh, something else. Um, Jen Psaki, who never fails to entertain, I mean, it's mind-blowing. Jen Psaki uh, was asked about this, and she had this, a little bit of a long clip. And I'm sorry, I'm going to quickly time this. Yeah, I can quick do this before we go to the bottom of the hour break. Quick play Jen Psaki on the disinformation star, and we'll comment after we play it. Yesterday, you had told me that you were not familiar with Nina Jankowicz. I'm wondering if you're, you have more information on her today. Also, Secretary Mayorkas said that he was not familiar with statements that she had made surrounding the Hunter Biden laptop. And I'm just wondering, how, how was she hired if you and the White House are not familiar with her, if Mayorkas is not familiar with her statements? What's the process for um, putting her into a, a position like this? Who's in charge of her? Well, let me give you a sense of who she is. Um, she's an expert on online disinformation. She was formerly in the Wilson Center's disinformation. She was formerly a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center. She's testified before Congress, as well as the United Kingdom and European parliaments, advised a Ukrainian foreign minister particularly relevant in this moment, under the auspices of a Fulbright Public Policy Fellowship and overseeing Russia and Belarus programs at the National Democratic Institute. Any hiring decisions are up to the Department of Homeland Security, but this is a person with extensive qualifications. What I will tell you about the um, board and what the board is doing, this is a continuation of work that began at the Department of Homeland Security in 2020 under former President Trump. Is it, though, I guess, can you describe what her job is going to be? Because there's been some um, TikToks that she has put out, um, and it, it seems like rather than, you know, calling balls and strikes on this, you know, story is false, and this story, and here's the truth on it, um, one line stood out to me, uh, they're laundering disinfo, we should really take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. So well, here's what the board is going to do, which I think is of particular interest. Again, a continuation of the work of the former president. So for anyone who's critical of it, I don't I didn't hear them being critical of the work under the former president, which is just interesting to note contextually. But in the fact sheet that they put out, what they noted yesterday, what they noted in there is that this is meant to uh, one. The first bullet was about protecting privacy, civil rights and civil liberties and the First Amendment. They said the primary mission is to establish best practices to, to to ensure that efforts to understand and respond to disinformation are done in ways that protect privacy, civil rights and civil liberties. I'd also note that the first example they gave uh, about what they're going to do is uh, is support the Department of Homeland Security's work, ongoing work, back to the former administration on to address how and understand how misinformation spread by human smugglers that prey on vulnerable populations attempting to migrate to the United States. There's no okay. question, everybody, that bipartisan support for that okay, to address disinformation that's can. going... I'm that's, done listen to her. Okay, I wanted to cut her off because... Uh, the important point I want to make about this, first of all, did you list the litany of qualifications that Saki says, oh my gosh, this woman, Jankowicz, she's about the most, she's amazing, how could you not know this? All she's talking about is resume items she's been able to acquire because leftists build up USAID and other organizations and fund them to death, all these NGOs, that then they spend the money around, they give her a fancy title, she's a Fulbright Fellow. She's a 33-year-old who, by the way, in the past had tweeted that people shouldn't be allowed to insult 
the way Mo Michelle Obama dresses. She actually said, this, this is harsh, this misogyny should not be allowed. I couldn't find that tweet. She did tweet that, though. She has in the past, as you were you're hearing the allusion to it in the questioning, quite, really it completely backed uh, the argument by the liars who had signed on to a declaration saying the Hunter Biden laptop story, this is during the campaign, the Hunter Biden laptop story was probably Russian disinformation. They were either liars to sign on or they did not spend an iota, a moment of time diving in to figure out what was true. And she, this, the new truth czar, has said, you know what, yeah, actually, um, you know, she, she went along with those people and, said, and, and backed them and said they were right about the Hunter Biden laptop. Nothing to see here. We now, of course, see the Hunter Biden laptop would have changed the election. Well, if you had a fair election, it would have changed the election. But this is a person who is a hard leftist, who's been funded by hard leftists, who pushes a leftist agenda, and she's in charge of what is true. Now I want to make another quick point about what, where we are in all this. Um, <laughs> Josh Hawley had a tweet. I think I sent that to you guys. Josh Hawley had a quick tweet, um, and which was good. He at least did the tweet. Can you put that one up? Do you have that, his tweet? The administration that activated the FBI against parents at school board meetings now has created a government disinformation board to monitor all American speech. It's a disgrace. Joe Biden and Secretary Mayorkas dissolved this monstrosity immediately. While I love that he said that, I want to make the point about who is the bravest one of all. Congresswoman, first term, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. I've met her before. You know, she's about this tall. She's a tiny little thing. She's a spitfire. She's brilliant. She is the one who introduced a bill and said, you know what? We're gonna, the bill is very short. I read the whole bill today. It's like five sentences. We're going to dissolve this. No funding for this dissolved and never again will there be anything like this. I mean, it is the most brilliant bill. I just want to ask in this closing before our radio listeners go off to their brief break. Why isn't this, why weren't every single, why wasn't every single member of Congress, Republican or Democrat, House or Senate, on their feet, screaming the moment Mayorkas announced this? Why? And, and the answer is because they don't have any bravery. Josh Hawley at least tweeted, this is an outrageous assault on the First Amendment, and the only one speaking up is a first-term woman congressman. If you're on the radio, come back. We'll be back after the break for another half an hour, so come right back. Okay, so for the rest of you people, I think it's monumental that Lauren Boebert is the one person who's announced a bill, who's going out there talking about it. And the bill, as I say, very, very short, just says you can't do this. You can't do that. We're not going to fund it, and you can never do it again. But this truly, really, really should have been something that, it, and, it, and I, what it tells you is how far the Republican Party has drifted, or the conservatives, or frankly, the Democrats too. They should care about the First Amendment. How far they've drifted from the fundamental principles of America, including specifically the idea of freedom of speech. They should have been on their feet, screaming the moment Mayorkas made this announcement. But they all sat there. You know, well, that doesn't, I'm not sure. Is that a good idea? I'm not sure that's a good idea. It took her, Lauren Boebert, and her bravery and her clarity, and she's not, I mean, you know, she's a, um, I, I said spitfire, and that probably isn't fair because she is, it, it can sound as though she's not thoughtful. She's deeply thoughtful. She's deeply committed to very specific ideas about America, and she fights for them. That's what she does. That's all she does. And so she's the first one out there trying to get co-sponsors, and I really think there should be pressure on every member both parties, every member of the House and Senate, to sign on to say, you cannot do this. And by the way, Jen Psaki, among many times, she just lies. There's nothing, 
nothing in the Trump administration upon which this lunacy is based. I can tell you what I think she might be alluding to. The Trump administration did try through the Department of Homeland Security to stop what the Biden and Obama administration had done in the previous term. They, Obama, Biden, have been trying to spread the message in Central America and South America, come on up to the U.S. borders open. No one's going to stop you. Come on up. We love you. Come on in. So this is what the Obama and Biden team had done. Trump, when he came along, said, you know what? All this messaging going down to Central and South America is causing all of these caravans to come to you know, make their way up, dangerous journeys up through Mexico to get across America's border. They, the Trump team, were trying to say, they're trying to get truth down there to say, stop encouraging these people. Stop and the disinformation coming out of the Obama, Obama and Biden administration that we just have an open border, everyone's welcome, come on up. That may be the only hint of truth in what Jen Psaki said. Because she, she tried to say, as you heard in that clip, that, oh, this is just a continuation of the Trump team, not a chance on the planet Earth that that is, it Trump did anything like this. Nobody in Trump's team was designated. The disinformation czar, the ministry of truth. This is an Orwellian leftist, hard left, power grab idea coming out of the Democrats because they have the power right now and they want to make it something you just accept. We cannot accept it. Okay, welcome back to our radio listeners. We have another half an hour to go of great, great, great stuff on this show. Um, and this is just a loaded, well, every Monday seems loaded because I haven't talked to you since last Thursday. But um, I want to turn briefly uh, back to Mayorkas for one more moment, the DHS Secretary Mayorkas. So here he is. His job, of course, is Homeland Security. So, you know, among the main things one would think he would do when he's in charge of Homeland Security is to secure the border. That would be a primary mission if you were actually trying to provide security for the American citizens. It is not his priority. In fact, he was recently asked, and I want to play this clip also for you, asked about the plan, how they're going to protect against in America, what they're going to do with the anticipated, and please listen to this number I am telling you, the anticipated, when Title 42 goes away on May 23rd, the anticipated 500,000 illegal immigrants entering America every month. Let's start with the numbers. About 7,000 migrants are currently apprehended per day. That's the highest in years. But your department's highest projections say that number could double or maybe even triple as many as 18,000 per day, and that's without the pandemic restriction in place. Is that number really possible? And are you prepared if so? So, Dana, what we do is we prepare and we plan, and we've been doing so for months, understanding that the Title 42 authority that the CDC holds is not going to be around forever because, quite frankly, we want to conquer the pandemic and put it behind us. And remember, Title 42 is a public health authority. So what we started to do in September of last year was prepare for its end. And we didn't, we're not projecting 18,000, but what we do in the department is we plan for different scenarios so we're ready for anything that might yeah. generate. And I understand you're not projecting it, but it is an estimate that was put out by, as you said, by your department. And I just want to be clear, what you're telling me is that because that is a figure, again, that came from you guys, the department is prepared to handle that very large figure if, in fact, that comes to pass, 18,000 migrants per day? It is our responsibility to be prepared 
for different scenarios, and that is what we are doing. Okay. You see, first of all, his voice is so oily. I'm sorry to sound so harsh. Like, like a smooth-talking snake. Really, his, I, I find him so, you know, pompous and, oh, that's our job. His job, actually, is to homeland security. All he's doing is planning for the demise of the homeland. He is planning for the demise of America. He is accommodating a, a half million people every month and planning how we're going to house them and take care of them. And, and, and actually, there was a quote by Blinken, also in the Biden team, who had um, been down in one of the Central American countries uh, and, and was given a, you know, talking about homeland security and keeping, and, and all the migrants and the, and the migrant caravans and made some statement to the effect, yeah, you know, uh, we're just trying to, he was asked about why he's meeting, what, what y'all are talking about. His answer was, yeah, we're just working on, you know, making sure they get safe passage. There's no one, please, please grasp this. There's no one in the Biden administration who has any interest at all in a secure border. And you must understand, it's because they want the border overrun. And it's not just, as we talked about in the past, because they think eventually all these people pouring into America will somehow eventually arrive at a time when Washington will grant them amnesty and they all end up with citizenship and they can have a permanent Democrat voting base. That is entirely their goal. And this is something we've heard Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick in Texas say, others say entirely their goal. But on top of that, what the Biden administration is doing, it is a controlled, intentional destruction of America. It is creating chaos in America by failing to secure the border. And Mayorkas is playing along. And, and even Dana on CNN, who's usually, you know, she, she's a radical, you know, full, full stop, hard leftist, you know, a hardcore leftist. That's who she is. And even she's trying to act, you know, really composed. And uh, aren't you, isn't, are you really saying uh, half a million people? Uh, yes, we are. And we're going to, I, I mean, even she is saying, what the heck are you guys doing? Anyway, I want to make that point about Mayorkas. He can find the time and the energy to locate, pin down, you know, and, and hire somebody who is going to uh, monitor speech and, be, and, d and decide what constitutes disinformation. But his work at the border is to make sure we have enough, so we have enough facilities available so all these people that we let in because we don't enforce our border are safe and, and safely housed. I, I mean, people, this is a control, controlled destruction of America. It is nothing less. I want to hit the Elon Musk story brief, briefly today. I, um, on Musk, I want to tell you that um, he, um, you know, I, I understand. I already did a show and talked about how I understand Musk is not a conservative. I get it. He supports many policies that no conservative would like. Universal basic income. He's big into transhumanism. Whatever. And he's taking government money to build all that he's done. And, you know, and if you're not into his into environmental fear mongering, you know, you maybe aren't totally excited about the idea the government uh, gave so much money to Tesla to get going. Having said that, Musk's taking over of Twitter has been, uh, as someone wrote, glorious to behold. I mean, what they are really discovering, what the left is discovering, and again, going back to the hard left mindset, leftists rely on controlling you. It is, the, it, it is the job one of a leftist government to make sure that people know you're under our control now, you will do what we say, you will think what we think, and you will not speak unless you are speaking in a way that we approve. 
leftists. It's why the communist Russians had Pravda. Pravda, by the way, you know, Pravda means truth of all ironies. But anyway, the Soviet Union, the communist Russians had Pravda. It is why speech is shut down in every uh, hard socialist and communist country. Uh, China, huge. North Korea, huge. Complete shutdown of free, free flow of information or free speech. But the left in this country has had, if you think about it, what the left has accomplished over their long march through the institutions, they've accomplished control over the universities, pretty much every university, some very tiny short list of exceptions. They've accomplished control over the institutions of education, and not just universities, but now K through 12. I mean, we're discovering that now. We're trying to weed that out. But the leftists have, in this long march through the institutions in America, accomplished thought control. They've accomplished beholding the levers of power in education, in media, in Hollywood, in entertainment, in journalism, in every aspect of American life. Leftists have slowly worked to control the narrative, to control what people think is true. And this is why you now see Biden and the uh, left, whoever controls Biden, thinking we have, we're, we're practically there. We've arrived, Eureka, we have arrived. We are in control. And the idea that Musk, Musk is actually someone who advocates free speech and now controls Twitter is making them insane. That what they're really saying is, we thought we had complete control over every avenue of information, except for a few talk shows like America Can We Talk or other conservative talk shows, or maybe occasionally Fox News. Pretty much the monolithic, hard left, Marxist communist mindset has already completed almost all of its march through the institutions in America and control what you think and what you know. And so the idea that Twitter, which is obviously a widespread worldwide communication vehicle, is now under control of Musk, really alarms them. Because the last thing the left, any leftist wants, is for the people to have information, to have free speech, to learn from each other, to be able to have a dialogue, a discussion on any issue, any issue. This is what the left has done over the decades on issue after issue after issue, they won't discuss it. They state their position. Climate change is deadly. We're all going to die tomorrow unless you all give up your freedom, your cars, your money, and we'll all die tomorrow. And no discussion. Climate change alarmists will never debate people. They will never debate experts who don't agree with them. They will never debate academics who know better. They'll never, they'll never debate other climatologists. They announce the truth. That is it. The end. And that's what they do on every topic. America is a, say they, a, a systemically racist country, and, and therefore it is an institutionally racist company, country. You can never, ever debate it. You can't point out statistics. You can't point out facts. You can't point out there are black conservatives screaming from the rooftops, no, it's not, no, it's not. It's a great country. They announced truth, and they shut down all opposition. Well, that's what they had done, especially as you recognize leftist control, you know, Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And so now you have Elon Musk controlling Twitter. So now I want to play a segment. This is actually uh, my happy three-member team over there producing the show today. Uh, this is the meltdown over Musk. Uh, it's, a, it's a clip uh, from, it's, um, yeah, I sent you the article. It's a panel of four people talking. Let's play that. No, I think there's a bigger problem that when we focus on the personalities of people like Elon Musk and people say, oh, I think Elon's thinking this or that, 
There's a bigger problem here about how we are going to control the channels of communication mm -hmm. in this country. Stop, stop, in 1927, stop, 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 we had the radio. Stop. You heard what he just said? The bigger question. How are we going to control the, the channels of communication in this country? This is a goof. This is some goof they have on CNN. And I don't care if he has a great reputation. He's a brilliant journalist, whatever the heck he is. He's not embarrassed to say on national television, on CNN, our question is, how are we going to control the channels of communication in America? This is why Elon Musk drives them nuts. Because he's saying, you know what? People ought to be able to debate. People ought to be able to have free speech. That's what he's saying. He is, and, and Musk is driving, and I, I really don't care what his other policies are because, you know, it's like that. You've got, you got to hold on to the good. The guy is protecting free speech in America at a time we'd almost lost it. We'd almost lost it. And so he's saying, yeah, Musk is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a free speech here. And this guy is just having a meltdown city. I know we have Truth Social. I'm still not on. I haven't even worked out the process to get on Truth Social. Trump's thing, and I, I probably will do that. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for anybody who thinks of new avenues to communicate and try to get the word out there. But what I care about more than anything else in this conversation we're having today is that you grasp the depth of the problem we are in. Because the left, as all leftists do, is why communist Russia had Pravda, it's why Chinese Communist Party shuts down the internet and shuts down communication. It is why every leftist country stops communication. Leftists only can thrive if they can control the people, they control the conversation. You don't get to talk. So this guy saying that is not even surprising he would say that. Now I want to turn and just show you something funny. Another reason I like Elon Musk beside that he bought Twitter, which is great, is he had a tweet out, which I sent you, a later tweet I sent to you guys, if you have that. Okay, this is about, this might win tweet of the year. I know we're only in early May, but still. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the socialist lunatic in Congress from New York, she writes, tired of having to collectively stress about what explosion of hate crimes is happening because some billionaire with an ego problem unilaterally controls a massive communication platform and skews it, as S-K-E-W-S skews it, because Tucker Carlson or Peter Thiel took him to dinner and made him feel special. Okay, this is so funny. I mean, she's outraged that anybody has an outlet to speak that's not controlled by a leftist. That's what she's saying. They have an outlet to speak and the left doesn't control it. Elon Musk, I mean, of all brilliant answers, <laughs> he just answers... Stop hitting on me. I'm really shy. Okay, if you don't know why that's funny, allow me to quickly tell you. So AOC, you know, always in favor of mandating everything, controlling everything about your life, lives in New York where mass mandates were, you know, very severely enforced. Um, she went on vacation to Florida with her boyfriend. And Florida, where they actually like freedom, they have freedom, they didn't have a mask mandate. So people saw them on vacation and took pictures. Oh, this is AOC, you know, mandates for her people in New York. But, you know, she, like every other sane person, actually likes freedom. So she goes on vacation in Florida. So because people were taking pictures of them in public and saying, well, there they are. I guess that, you know, she had tweeted at some point, um, you know, all these Republicans or all these conservatives um, are upset. And she actually ended up saying, because they want to date me. I mean, 
she's not even mentally well. I mean, the, the lunacy of the things she says, she is a radical leftist. And the idea that her only explanation why people would cover her, you know, flitting off to Florida and living out, living in the sunshine and enjoying sitting outside and mask free and enjoying freedom. She's thinking the only reason they, they would cover that is because they want to date me, which makes Elon Musk tweet, uh, tweet her, his tweet in response to her so dang funny. I mean, he's both putting her down, short number of words, and mocking her previous just absurd level uh, discussion about the um, absurd level accusation that anyone who is covering my trip to Florida just wants to date me. I mean, I mean, the girl, I mean, honestly. Okay, one last story I get to today very briefly. We'll do more about this. I have had many, many people send me text messages. I have friends emailing me, hey, you should cover this and cover this. I love it. I love my friends do that. And as long as they understand, I can't get back to everybody. I'm way, 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 way behind on email. I'm even behind on text messages. But in any case, I had a friend, in fact, I want to pull up her thing she sent me, um, again, uh, sending me a story uh, about the, um, the fact that we've had more and more of these food processing plants burned down. And, and I mean, and I, I saw, I know there was a story out there, people were saying, well, you know, I mean, yeah, there was these food processing plants, uh, but it's not, you know, they, they are prone to fire. You know, they, they might really have, you know, maybe there's no conspiracy behind it. But they've had, I think it's up to 20 now, or nearly, yeah, over 20, over 20 food processing plants in America burned down this year. It sounds high to me, but I don't know. I never studied the, uh, you know, arson level at food processing plants, but people are alarmed. And they're alarmed because you have now the left pointing out that, you know, because it's all Russia's fault, of course, but we don't have adequate fertilizer. And then you have people talking about, well, we have, you know, this is impending food shortage. Biden's even said, yeah, there's an impending food shortage. People, I just want you to think about this. In America, we have tons of farmland. We have farmers, whether they are the individual family farm, which isn't very many left, or corporate farming organizations, we have people willing to till the soil, willing to grow crops. We have trains, we have transportation devices. None of the elements we need to keep food on the table have changed. Farmers exist, farmland exists. Now we have, unfortunately, we have China buying up farmland. We have Bill Gates buying up farmland, both of which we should be very concerned about. But in terms of just practical, why would we have a food shortage in a country with farming land? I mean, it's not like we live in this country that, you know, there's no farmland available because we're a country on top of a, you know, mountain with a rock, that's a rock and there's no farmland. There's, you know, massive farmland. Trains exist, companies exist, they produce fertilizer, they process food, and yet we have a threatened food shortage. So people are very concerned that something is perhaps amiss, that more, this is more than just uh, accidental or coincidental. So there was a, an interview with this woman, and you know, folks, I think you've all heard of her before, Samantha Power, uh, if you haven't. Okay, Samantha Power is just uh, evil personified, a former ambassador to the UN under Obama, and she's interviewed, uh, and I want to have us play, this is a Samantha Power clip that you guys have played that, we'll talk about it. Fertilizer shortages are real now because Russia is a big exporter of fertilizer. And even though fertilizer is not sanctioned, uh, less fertilizer is coming out of Russia. As a result, 
We're working with countries to think about natural solutions like manure and compost. And this may hasten transitions that would have been in the interest of farmers to make eventually anyway. So never let a crisis go to waste, but we really do need this financial support uh, from the Congress to be able to meet emergency food needs so we don't see the cascading uh, deadly effects of Russia's war extend into Africa and beyond. Okay, what she's advocating for by is that Biden has asked for, I think it's 33 billion. Biden's asked for Congress emergency authorization, 33 billion to send off the Ukraine to, uh, because they face uh, energy shortages and food shortages. And people, again, I go back to the point I made at the beginning of the show. America is the most generous country on earth. I didn't make that point, I'm making it now. Most generous country on earth. It's important to understand that the Biden administration is not working on behalf of the American people. They are engaged in policies designed to harm the American people. When you have the president, one of his first acts coming into office was shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, recently announced cutting off more and more energy production in the Alaska, in the Arctic, uh, in Alaskan um, oil reserve, announcing we are, we are actually tapping into America's emergency reserves, shipping some of that off to Europe, and not allowing energy production here. And so you have energy producers waiting to do it. Yeah, the, the people need it. We have gas prices going up. And the Biden administration is saying, yeah, can we need another $33 billion to send money over, over there, the Ukraine. I can't get off the Ukraine-Russia story today. There's much, much talk about that. But just want you to think about the primary job. I talked earlier about the primary job of the secretary, uh, the DHS secretary, Mayorkas. You know, he's supposed to defend the homeland. He's ravaging the homeland with his policies. And you have the president, Biden, ravaging America with the energy policies that's causing a, the driving up of the cost of fuel, shutting down American energy production, not shutting it down entirely, taking step after step after step to harm or limit or uh, make impossible energy production in America. At the same time, you have the impending food shortage in America produced in great part by Biden's policies that have in, that caused inflation uh, to go up so high, that have caused the, uh, the um, I can't get off this, I, I wanna get, I'm sorry, I don't wanna get way ahead of myself, but I wanna make this point. The Biden administration's job is to primarily, number one, to protect and look out the interests of the American people. What you just heard Samantha Power say is, yeah, we're going to have a food shortage, and yeah, we have a fertilizer shortage, and, and yeah, as, as you know, the famous leftist little pitch, but don't let a good crisis go to waste. She wants more money sent under one of these USAID things over to Ukraine when in America we're being told we're going to have a food shortage. I mean, this is not administration looking out primarily for the interests of the American people. We're going to talk more about the food shortage thing. I know that the, the people I roll about whether this, all these uh, food processing plants being burned down, uh, people get concerned that, there's, that it is intentional, the destruction of food processing plants, uh, and other people kind of say, oh, come on, everything isn't a conspiracy theory. And you can't be conspiracy theory about everything. You have to get, try to get to the facts. But it is more than suspicious as, at, at a time when we have the impending announced by the present food shortage we're letting foreign powers buy american farmlands we've had an, an astounding number of food processing plant fires in america food prices going up and the president's worried about can we send some more food over to the ukraine 
These are just not people looking out for the interests of the United States of America. I, I would love to get somebody who's an expert to talk about this food processing plant fire thing, what all that's happening, but you are right if you're alarmed and thinking the president somehow is not looking out for the interests of the American people. You're right. You should be concerned. Before we get to the end of our show, I have our, our online listeners I want to mention to you. You're listening to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. The website for our show is americacanwetalk.org. At that website, you can find all sorts of goodies. I urge you to go there. You can watch this show live at our website, americacanwetalk.org. I also want to tell you, um, friends, if you like supporting this show, I really and truly would love to have your support to keep this show rolling. Uh, to number one, I want to invite you again, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. At that homepage there, you can, number one, hit subscribe, get our once a week free newsletter. It has links to all past interviews, our blog posts, our Why It Matters feature. It also has links to uh, all you know, past shows, past interviews. Uh, so, but go to our website, subscribe to the newsletter. Um, uh, you just hit the subscribe button, you get a once a week, it's free, a once a week newsletter for me. Number two, you can go there and make a donation to support this show, uh, or you can join America Can We Talk. I urge you to do that. Join America Can We Talk at the homepage at americacanwetalk.org. Hit members, join. It's a mere $50 a year, which it will give you discounts on our amazingly wonderful upcoming summit and the products we'll be selling, but also makes you just part of the team helping support this show. So if our radio listeners zipping off, uh, I want to urge you to come back. Uh, you're ending your your time with us is ending in a few seconds. I urge you to come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk because I will tell you the truth about America every day. Love to have you subscribe to the newsletter. Love to have your support. Join America Can We Talk and come back tomorrow. For everybody else at the end of the show, every single day I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today with election transparency and mules. I'm going to make the point, by the way, on election transparency, it's a 30-second break here from before I read, though. Election transparency, when I first heard the name of the summit, I said, I don't like that name. What about election integrity? But the point of many speakers was we have in our country essentially contracted out the entire election process so no citizen in this country has any ability to verify the authenticity, the legitimacy of our elections. No one's allowed to examine the voting machines. No one has access to any of the data to confirm the processes. There, this is a bizarre situation in America that one of the most important rights we have to vote for our government. Our entire election system has no transparency, no ability to be audited, no ability to for the American people to understand how it works. It's why we have to go back to paper ballots. Okay, election transport, uh, transparency and mules. Dallas weekend panel with Laura Logan, packed with more proof of total corruption in the election machines. Mesa County, Rosetta Stone. Oh, I've got to talk about that another day. 2,000 mules showing this week even more proof of election fraud, irrefutable beyond partisan dispute. There is no longer any basis whatsoever for trusting what any level of government says about election integrity. There must be instead full transparency. But so far, no level of government, city, county, state, or federal, is opening everything up. Voting machine companies are refusing to provide source code. A time of reckoning for the 2020 or 2020 election is taking shape. What will the American people, what will the American people make their government do? And on the Ministry of Truth and uh, Boebert versus Jankowitz, Congressman Lo Lauren Boebert of Colorado, 36 years old, has stepped up with a bill to defund and terminate the Disinformation Governance Board. Boebert highlights a quandary of conservative American voters. 
Who is leading? Why wasn't Kevin McCarthy leading this effort? Steve Scalise, Mitch Connell, what, why does it take a first-term young woman to stand up for the First Amendment? Boebert is exposing the Uniparty, the D.C. ruling elites who don't understand or don't care how important freedom is to the American people. They look down on the common man. A reckoning is coming for GOP leadership. Placeholders in power positions must step aside and bring in new leaders or find the party dissolving. And on meltdown around Musk, um, CNN analysts apoplectic. Um, if, if CNN or the legacy media are no longer able to control the content of news and information. It's exactly what he said. The epitome of arrogance and ignorance. The founding fathers knew exactly why a First Amendment was needed. Their understanding of freedom and was necessary to preserve it towers over the relative mental midges in the talking head class today. Elon Musk seems to have an intuitive grasp of the importance of freedom of speech. Dems who want to call him to testify to Congress. Oh, yeah, they want to call. Dems are saying they might call him to testify because he bought Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, do not know what they're asking for. Musk will make the Dems look silly. He already has. See the tweet. <laughs> he sent back to AOC. And finally, food shortage, a climate alarmist opportunity. 20th fire or explosion or other attack hit a, a U.S. food processing plant this past weekend. This is not a coincidence. There are actions of a wartime enemy. You know, that's what I think is true. I want to dig in more, but I think that is true. Yes, the Biden administration sees in these attacks a crisis that shouldn't go to waste. Samantha Power sees an opportunity for greener farming methods. At the same time, Mallorca sees room for 500,000 illegals per month. As we face a food shortage, let's bring more people in. That's what you would do if you care about the country. Nothing makes sense from the Biden administration. They're not serving America. Every action they take moves towards the destruction of this country. When will Americans wake up to stop it? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?